He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And we're going to stop on evangelists tonight. Um, this is a gift given by God, and he, and he lists those we see in verse 11. And then he says in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, that's what these gifts are for. For the work of the ministry, that's what the gifts are for. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you have a gift from God, it should be used uh, to perfect the saints, ministerial work, and to edify the body. <laughs> if it doesn't fall under that category, let's rethink on our motive of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, what's an evangelist? Well, an evangelist, first off, we're looking at Ephesians uh, chapter 4 to just stay, uh, say by way of introduction, it's a gift given by God. That is certainly part of it. And uh, Acts 21, we'll read that. Verse number eight, Acts 21, verse eight, we'll, we'll find here. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. You know what an evangelist does? We'll get into this throughout the message. He announces the good news. In the New Testament, an evangelist is a preacher of the gospel. <laughs> he declares the good tidings of salvation. Now, certainly we are all commanded and given that uh, command to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. And, and as a local church, we do try to do that. Some people do have j just this gift of being able to relate well to others within the proclamation of that gospel. And they make excellent evangelists. And we typically think of modern day. We typically think of an evangelist is the guy that we bring in for two or three days to do an, a, a revival. Hey, we're going to have evangelists such and such in, and it's going to be a revival. And, that's all great. I'm not saying we should be against that. It's just that biblically, an evangelist would go. It, it's not so much that he would come into a local church house with saints that are already saved. Typically, he would be outside of the church house proclaiming the gospel to those that are lost. Um, and this idea... Um, I mean, really, biblically, you could say that an evangelist biblically really is the modern day missionary. What does that missionary do? He goes to an area and he starts proclaiming what? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He's looking for lost sinners. What happens during that process when an evangelist comes to town? He is, he's, he is gathering saints. To come together to form a local church. Where they can do what? Disciple converts. Ground them in their faith. You, 
you know, you have somebody that comes in and, and you know, it, it really a better term for them, I think, biblically, biblically would be a prophet. They're coming in and declaring or foretelling the truth in God's word. Um, but an evangelist we see in the Bible is more he's he's settling in more into an area for more than three, five or seven days. And what we see here in Ephesians or Acts 21 in the eighth verse, Philip was one of how many in the verse? One of seven, right? But Philip's the only one that's named as the evangelist, which leads me to my next thought that I'd like us to consider that I'm careful to use the term office, although I guess it could be used. It, it, it seems to be distinct and separate from deacon. And the reason I say that is because if you go back to Acts chapter number six, in Acts 21, Philip is named as the evangelist. And I think this might tie in a little bit to what we were talking about about a month ago. We were talking about pastors and verse deacons, elders, and all that. But in Acts chapter 6, let's start in the first verse. In those days when the number of disciples multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. There's a problem of neglect going on with the widows. And so verse 2, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples on them and said, is it not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among ye seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, or in Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So why is Philip, he's named here in Acts 6, those seven, those seven men of honest report. And then in Acts chapter number 21, he is singled out as the evangelist. So that leads me to believe by looking, looking at those two passages, there are two different titles. There are two different offices, if you will. Can you be both? Yeah, <laughs> you can. And I think that's the case here. It seems that Philip is singled out. And that's the best I can come up with. Why? Yes, he's named with the seven. But it's not a deacon title. It's not an elder title. It, it's an evangelist. In Acts 21, let's look at it again. Well, let's look at it. I'm going to go if Ephesians 4. Well, I'll just read Ephesians 4 so you don't have to flip back there. But Ephesians 4, 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. It looks like in Acts 21 at verse 8, you have something else that's fulfilled. Well, maybe not fulfilled, but Ephesians 4. Verse 11 and 12, it looks like it's represented here in Acts 21. In Ephesians 4, you've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, in Acts 21, in verse number uh, in verse number 8, who's the apostle? Well, in the next day, 
we that were of Paul's company. <laughs> Who's the apostle? Paul. And came unto Caesarea, and we enter. Who's writing? Who's speaking? That'd be Luke. Now, I know he's the physician, but also a teacher. So you, there's your teacher. We entered into the house of Philip, and he's called the evangelist. And so there's our evangelist. Where's Philip at? Caesarea, right? Well, he was, he's there for more than three days. <laughs> Let's bring Evangelist Philip in and stir us up. He's, he's camping out there for some time. What am I saying? I'm trying to get across it. I really believe the evangelist, he's, he's, he's investing full-time effort into the, into the people of the area that he has gone to. Uh, okay, so we left one out, though. We had um, prophets. It was Ephesians 4. That was the... That was the fourth one. And what do we see in verse number nine? And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So we have uh, prophetesses, but Philip's daughters there. So it looks like Ephesians four is represented here. That fourfold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then pastors, teachers with Paul, Philip, Luke, and then Philip's daughters. So that's Acts 21. Get 2 Timothy. Get 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4. Paul gives a charge, verse number 1. And verse number 2, it's a pretty clear and simple one preach the word be instant in season out of season verse number three says for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lust they shall heap themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables so put yourself in timothy's shoes Paul's charging him. And he says, hey, I got to tell you this because um, no one's really going to endure anything. <laughs> and they're just going to turn away and um, kind of discouraging, isn't it? He has to be charged because and he has to be reminded to preach the word be instant in season because people are going to just turn their ears from the truth. It's going to happen. And we say, well, it's never been this bad. Well, apparently it was bad because Paul's given Timothy a charge. And watch what he says. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Which the work of an evangelist would be. Young people. You want to guess why we call it public evangelism? <laughs> we evangelize. We proclaim the good news of the gospel. And he tells them, hey, look, don't you stop doing that. You've got to. You've got to. As discouraging it is, people are going to be turned from the truth. Do not turn away from doing the work of an evangelist. 
you consistently have to go fishing for lost people. Right. You always have to do it. And then he says, make full proof of thy ministry. That means there's no question about it. You need to do it properly and you need to fully persuade people with the scriptures and the truth of the gospel. Why? When you make something foolproof, you give a clear example. You give a clear testimony of what it is to be a Christian, of what it is to be an evangelist and doing the work of the ministry. That's what it is. Preach Christ crucified. Proclaim Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and rose again three days and three nights later. Preach it. Proclaim it. Don't back down from it. Continue doing it. And that'll make your ministry foolproof. And the minute we start, the minute we stop with the evangelizing, then we become half proof. <laughs> and all we might get out of it is at the end of it, yeah, you know, that church in town, <laughs> they're everywhere, giving the same message. I'm sick of hearing it. <laughs> that might be the fruit of the ministry. But is it foolproof or is it half proof? Is it half proclaiming the gospel and half, hey, did you hear what the conservative news outlet said last week? I'm just telling you, it's easy to get off track. Brother Charles and I were speaking to a man uh, down at the Sparta, uh, uh, on, on the square, it was a farmer's market, a green market. Kind of like a farmer's market, which is speaking to this man. And he was the best that I've come to speak with for a while in changing the subject. <laughs> Wasn't he? <laughs> and we tried our best to make full proof of <laughs> we're going to get this guy the gospel. If he talked about seed and farming, we were talking about sowing seed. I mean, we, we tried every angle we could to get this guy to hear the gospel. And he heard it. But that's about as far as we got. Now, he committed to reading the track when he got home. And it was a good conversation. It wasn't contentious. But it took all the patience that we had to listen to him and eat the black peanuts, which apparently I... Didn't know they made black peanuts, but they grow them down here. And we did. We had some dirt in there with it, but dirt don't hurt, right? There's protein in it. Won't kill you. It's all for Jesus. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> now, what do we see in, the, in, in verse number four? What are people being turned on to? Fables. This is why you got to do the work of the ministry. This is why you've got to pray. This is why you've got to study. Why? Because people are getting turned to fables. They hear the truth of the gospel. 
And then, you know, and then the next day they're at the table of fables. It's what is it going to be this week? We should be so biblical that we think Fox News is liberal. We, we should. We should be dialed in so much into the truth of the word of God that we think whatever conservative news outlet is out there doesn't even come close to lining up with, with, with the good news we have here. Good news, such and such is running for, I've got better news. <laughs> okay? I'm not saying not know what's going on in world events. But there is a worldwide event that should be going on that trumps, <laughs> didn't mean to put that in there, that trumps all the other events. You know what it is? Someone making full proof of the ministry. Proclaiming it, preaching, and preparing others to do the same. Okay, here's a guy we don't hear of too much. Go to Colossians chapter 4, but keep your finger in 2 Timothy. Uh, go back to the book of Colossians and get the fourth chapter. The work of the evangelist, he has to make full proof of preaching the gospel. And we, we looked at why. And now Colossians 4. Colossians 4. Look at verse number 17. It's a saluting and, and, and kind of a, a goodbye here. Uh, a salute here at the end of Colossians. And it says in verse 17. And say to Archippus. Who's Archippus? Who's Archippus? Who is this guy? He's only mentioned twice in the Bible. In Philemon, he's called our fellow soldier. Here's what's interesting about Archippus. It says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. We don't know much about this guy. But we know he's not fulfilling his ministry anymore. Was he supposed to be the preacher there? I don't know, but he's grown slack and he needs some loving admonition. Many men started off doing the work of an evangelist. But something got in the way. Maybe it was the pull of the world. Maybe it was lack of concern anymore. Who knows? Some people grow weary. We don't know what the reason is, but we, knew, we do know this. Somebody had to say to him, see that verse 17, and say to Archippus, take that fellow aside and tell him, look, take heed to the ministry that thou hast received from the Lord that thou fulfill it. Who would ever, who would ever do that? If you do public ministry, let me ask you this. Do you grow weary? I have. Arguing with lost people. Having to sit there and listen to them tell you about some crazy, crazy idea that they have. You can see how that would be a bit draining. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. 
You got a fellow soldier. You got a fellow evangelist. It's a full-time thing. Somebody had to pull him aside and say to him, a, gent a gentle, loving, encouragement, rebuke, whatever you want to call it. You got to tell him. Fulfill it. Make it foolproof. Go back to 2 Timothy 4. Second Timothy 4, verse number 5. Just read the verse again. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. You're going to have to watch. You're going to have to endure. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. You can't lose sight. He's trying to remind him, hey, don't forget. You've got work to do. Evangelize. Gather people. So before we, we, we move on, here, here's a question. We've all said before, hey, that man's called to that ministry. Well, let me ask you this. Can he be called to another ministry? Sure. Can he be called to multiple ministries? <laughs> sure. Yet somebody could be a deacon. He could be an evangelist. Okay, right? So we get that. But typically the evangelist comes into an area. He's staying in that area. He may establish a local church. Does he have to stay? He could, right? Maybe he appoints another pastor. And now maybe he moves on to another town, spends a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, establishes a local assembly, appoints a pastor, and then moves on to another town. Do you, do you know men that have done that? I've known some men that have done that. I've known uh, some, uh, some men that have gone overseas. They've established a work. They handed that work over. They came back to stateside. These things happen. Which one's the right way? All of them. <laughs> All of them. Just by way of qualification, my heart's here. God's called me here. I'm happy serving here, happy laboring for the Lord here. Um, but God gives, I'm saying that to say, not that I have any intention of leaving. I'm saying that to say that God gives multiple gifts and, and that is, and that's perfectly fine. All right. Now you've heard me say evangelist sticks around for a while. So let's look at that in the Bible. Go to Acts chapter 11 and just want to look at a couple more verses just to get some more understanding. Acts 11 verse 26 Let's see how long Paul is here. Acts 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So that's where they're at, in Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were, were called Christians first in Antioch. How long was Paul there? A year. If you're going to get somebody grounded in the faith and get them assembling and it says taught much people 
How are you going to do that in one meeting? You're not. I would really love, I know you would too. I would really love for someone to get saved at our next outreach and have them start coming to church and investing in time here. Because at the church house, you know what they can do? They can be taught. They can have some fellowship and be discipled. And you know as well as I do, nobody signs their kid up for baseball and all of a sudden in, in, in two practices, they're throwing 80 mile an hour fastballs. They're going to have to stick with that thing. And that coach is going to have to invest time. You know what the work of an evangelist is? It's time. It's commitment. I know that's a, a word that people tend to be afraid of nowadays, but commitment is so important. Look at Acts 18. Let's see what else we see. Acts chapter 18, verse 11. Uh, verse number nine, then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. The Lord said, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set only to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Well, you should probably pay attention. I know if there was a lot of people in the city, I'm going to want to. Man, that's, that's a good harvest right there. So he says, and he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. How long was Paul there? He's there for a year and a half. What's he doing? He's teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. You got to invest time with people. If you're going to do the work of an evangelist. Uh, verse 10 in chapter 19. Uh, let's start in verse number 8. Chapter 19, verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of heaven. How many of you men and women get worn out after a 20-minute conversation with a lost person? It's just... <laughs> Try three months of disputing and persuading. The devil always brings into our mind something better for us to do with our time, doesn't he? Because that, dis that disputing and persuading, who wants to sign up for that? But he signed up for it. And I'm telling you, that's the work of the ministry. You've got to be able applying, making some application for our life. We're going to have to be willing to spend some time with people. And then it says, but when, di when divers were hardened, believe not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the, the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. There comes a point where you just need to walk away. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all that, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Heard of the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul's in Asia, and he's there for how long? Two years. It's a long time. He's investing in those people. Acts 20. 
We're using these as an example to make some application for our life. Your ministry is not going to look the same as my ministry. One brother's ministry isn't going to look the same as another brother's ministry. But we should all make full proof of our ministry. The ministry that the Lord has given, has given you. Be willing to invest time in people. Take these applications seriously. Acts 20 verse 31. Therefore watch and remember. That by the space of three years. I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I'll tell you, when crying comes in, most people are out. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Get me out of here. Three years. Warning. Three years teaching. Three years weeping. Make full proof of thy ministry. Like, I'm not telling you if you're not crying, you ain't right. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, look, there's going to be some, there's going to be, it's, it's why it's called work. It's called work. You're going to have to weep. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to spend some time with people. You're going to have to warn them. You warn a man that's lost and you're just pleading with him, trying to give him the gospel over and over. It's the same thing. And he just keeps redirecting you. You see that warning type hard attitude? You can't give up after one shot. I'm not saying you strong arm people and you force people, but look, you've got, you've got to warn him. You've got to plead with him. You've got to figure out a way. To get a second hearing. That's the work of the ministry. That's the work of an evangelist. He's preaching and proclaiming that good news. I like going to special meetings. We like having special meetings. We like to do more of them as the Lord uh, provides for us. But there's certainly a place for that. We're for that. We like that. We enjoy that. But where does long-term fruit come from? The work of an evangelist. Someone that is spending the time full-time. You know why special meetings are good? They're good because you get to hear different preachers give a different application or style and, and, and that's good that's a healthy reason to go I get stirred up when I have a when I have preachers come in or I go and listen to another preacher it helps me it encourages me it, it gives me just a little bit more wind in my sails especially when preachers have been doing it a decade or two or three longer than I have that's that's a blessing and those things should be done. But you know why else people go to special meetings? For selfish reasons. Because they don't have to invest in those people full time. <laughs> you just travel and go to meetings. You go to church anywhere? Yeah, I go to church every Sunday. Where? All, all different places. It, it, you see what I'm saying? The, 
there, there's a blessing, but then there's also a danger. We have a preacher comes in for three days. He can't fix all our problems. A preacher has me in for three days. I can't fix all their problems. That preacher, those that local assembly, they have to double down and say, we are going to invest time in each other. We're going to pray together. We're going to weep together. We're going to evangelize together. We're going to make foolproof of thy ministry, evangelizing the lost. We're going to do all of that. You get full-time fruit from full-time work. Right? right? Amen? That's the idea. Unless you're one of these parents, well, I'm just going to parent my kid on Monday. And then I'll show back up. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. I mean, some of us would like to do that every now and and then. (laughs) But, uh, But look. You can't, an evangelist can't take a dead church. Show up with his three best sermons that he's preached 25 times already. And he can't take those three sermons and preach a Thursday, Friday and Saturday revival meeting. And all of a sudden have a full church house on a Sunday morning. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in life. And it doesn't work that way with church life. We're going to have to do the work of an evangelist. Full time commitment. And we'll take a church that's dying, an evangelist comes into town, guess what he's going to have to do? Endure. Weep. And go through all the stuff that we talked about tonight. Say, is it worth it? Is Christ worth it? Is Christ worth it? I think he is. An evangelist, in many ways, is the modern-day missionary. They go, they commit, they stay, they evangelize, they gather people, and a local church is a step. 